0: me, and his eyes flutter open. They're green or brown. No, both. Kind of forest-coloured. More importantly, they're the eyes of someone very much alive. I watch in astonishment as he blinks and wriggles his jaw from side to side, as if awakening from a deep sleep. He looks at me, and I laugh I laugh uncontrollably at the sheer joy that I haven't added manslaughter to my list of achievements today. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you. I can't restrain myself. And thank you again. Then I look down and register the stranger's expression, and realise I have some explaining to do. Do you always reverse your car at forty miles per hour? His solid thighs bear the weight of his body as he sits on his haunches, examining his bike. There's only one thing I know for certain about motorbikes, and that's that I can't stand them. But it looks expensive. At least it did. It now looks as if it's been trampled on by a herd of rhinos. Look, I'm sorry, I say, trying to retain my cool. But it was nothing like forty miles an hour. He turns and glowers. He's physically imposing, with arms that flex as he yanks a piece of bodywork. "'It was fast enough to nearly kill me,' he snaps. "'Oh, let's not exaggerate,' I smile nervously, attempting to lighten the mood. "'Exaggerate,' he repeats, making it clear that my attempt was far from successful. "'I don't need to exaggerate. You knock me out cold.' Despite the circumstances, there's something about the way he says it that's mesmerising. He has the sort of voice that floats across a room and wraps you up. Between that and his looks, I can only conclude that this guy fancies himself rotten. This is going to cost a lot to fix, he says next. I hope you're insured. My heart plunges at the mention of insurance, bringing with it a tidal wave of other issues such as my cataclysmic premiums and non-existent no-claims. Of course, I say in my best non-committal tone, the one I've taken years to master. Though maybe I'm about to offer to cough up and not even consult my insurance company when I pause, scolding myself for almost falling into such an obvious trap. I read an article recently reinforcing the importance of never admitting liability in the heat of the moment, no matter how tempted you are to start apologising. It struck me at the time that this is possibly where I've been going wrong, as well as causing all the crashes in the first place, of course, but we won't dwell on that. Did you say something? He asks, fiddling with another knob on his bike. He looks up with brooding eyes. I smile sweetly. ''No.'' ''Right.'' He stands and brushes his dusty palms against his thighs. ''Well, if we could exchange details, I can speak to my insurance company as soon as possible.'' ''Okay,'' I say cagily. ''You're assuming I'm responsible, then?'' His expression darkens again. ''Of course you're responsible.'' ''Well,'' I reply, sucking my teeth, I think it's up to the insurance companies to decide that. This doesn't go down well. Let me get this straight. I'm minding my own business, wheeling my bike through a car park, and the next thing I know, the back end of a Citroen C4 is hurtling towards me. If I could explain, you didn't consider the possibility that something or someone might have been in the way. In fact, from what I saw beforehand, you were too busy talking to yourself to consider anything. I wasn't talking to myself. I was practising. You just slammed your car into reverse and off you went, at forty miles an hour. We lock eyes. It was not forty miles an hour. I fire back through gritted teeth. And as for the talking to myself thing, fine, I cross my arms. I was talking to myself. So what? It was a significantly more pleasant conversation than this. A second passes, and I'm sure his lip almost twitches into a smile. Look, I say, deliberately breaking eye contact. I already said I was sorry. Did you? I don't remember that. As I recall, I say patiently, my-